Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. I am back from winter break, and I hope you all had a wonderful time during the holidays, and you all spent a lot of time with family and friends. I, for one, had a wonderful holiday break, and I'm really excited to get back into the podcast. This episode not really the one you want to do after an extended time off, if you get what I'm saying. This is very much a filler episode, and it's kind of funny because you know when you go back to school or go back to work after the break and your heart's not really in it? Well, for me, my heart is in it, but apparently not so much with the writers and the continuity of this episode, as you'll see. So let's just have a fun ride with this. This is very much a filler episode, but very iconic in many ways. The true winner of this episode are billboards. And you'll see what I mean as you go to the gallery. Unfortunately, this week, uh, I'm very much having some technical difficulties with the gallery. And I was not able to rearrange the photos. I tried on three different browsers. I tried going to the old interface, the new interface. Still wasn't working for me. Just a bunch of little black boxes and usually the thumbnails pop up very quickly. I've tried four times throughout the entire day. I'm over it. So unfortunately, the gallery will not be in order. So you'll kind of see, hopefully I don't lose too much pacing or my place as much with uh, this little technical blip. Uh, Mercury is almost out of retrograde, so I, for one, am very much looking forward to it. But let's get down to the nitty-gritty. We're going to be breaking down Season 2, Episode 17, entitled Florence, Italy. Per IMDb, the synopsis for this episode. Crockett and Tubbs track a Grand Prix race car driver after the body of a slain prostitute is thrown from his speeding car. Guest star, Danny Sullivan, who is actually a real-life race car driver. You can see a little bit more about him in the show notes. Very handsome. I was reading up a little bit about him, and he was chosen as People Magazine's 50 Most Beautiful People. Not sure what year, but uh, he definitely earned that spot. Now let's get into the episode. We are back in the red light district. We got some recycled B-roll from some previous episodes, so you'll recognize the opening scene. However, they've changed a little bit of it up, and we have the soundtrack of John Parr's Naughty Naughty playing in the background. Now, I get it. It's appropriate. It's thematically relevant to this episode. However, it is a no Man in Motion Cinema's Fire, which one of my all-time favorite guilty pleasures and one of my all-time favorite guilty pleasure song. So as we're kind of getting acquainted to the Red Light District, we see Gina and Trudy looking amazing. But first, we see a very young pretty girl in kind of a makeshift Catholic schoolgirl dress with a white shirt, and she's chatting up the young employee who works at this croissant shop. Now, this shop, kind of thinking about it as like a prospective business owner, you know, one day in my mind, and I'm like, that's pretty big real estate. And again, it's not on like the main strip. I actually looked it up. It's on Flagler Avenue. I'm not pronouncing that right. I do apologize. Or was back in the day. But I really like the sign. The sign is very, like, neon noir. And it's pretty decently sized. And they're open all night. And they really do sell croissants. Like, I was looking at the menu. I even included, as close as I could get, the actual menu. Everything from ham salad. Interesting. Not really what... I guess, I don't know. I don't eat meat, so I don't know what that would taste like on a croissant. I don't really know what a ham salad entails. Is it kind of like a tuna salad where you mix it with mayo and celery and spices? Um, you know, usually with a croissant, you kind of just want like a chocolate croissant, or you can get like the breakfast croissant sandwiches that are very tasty. Now, I digress. This interaction made me laugh, and I also took a gif of it. Next clip. I'll be gone by then, but I love you. Oh, I still love you too, huh? You're selling croissants, staring out that window? You're helping the customers? Ma. Huh? We don't got any customers, That's because right? of them hanging around. Get out of here. Ma. Come on, get Ma. out of Come here. On, I can handle them. Handle some customers. Make some coffee. So you can't really see to the gif, but the mom smacks the sun on the back of the head. Doesn't get back to work. I just thought it was so funny. Now, this lady is quite funny, and she goes to talk to the two sex workers that are outside. Naturally, the woman that was talking to her son, and then another woman that she's with. Now, the dress, 
is amazing. This like hot fuchsia pink fringe dress. I'm like, oh, I've only ever had one fringe dress in my life. You have to be extremely careful with it because you will catch onto everything. So mine is like very safely tucked away. It is not as beautiful as this. It's multicolored. Oh, I kind of miss having parties, you know, like these are all dresses I had from college and that like I've managed to still fit into and I'm just like, I'm nowhere to go. Sorry, I digress, but definitely look at the gallery because this dress is amazing. And then it gets a little bit funnier in this next clip. You're depriving me of income. Now get out of here. Go on, move it. Push me again, lady. And I'm making you bacon. You're a man. Don't let it get around. Sugar hips. <laughs> wow, that is an octave drop. Oh, wow. Well, kudos to her because she is rocking that dress like nobody's business. So after that, they're kind of, again, back to the streets. And we see this beautiful, super futuristic white Porsche 906 pull up. Now, again, this is not an everyday car. This is a very very eye-catching car. This is not a car you see every day on the street. Now, let's put this into context. The Grand Prix is coming up. So keep that in mind. We see the door open, very old school, uh, kind of like opens up and we see her hop in. We don't see the driver and she drives off. And again, we get a really nice shot of the Porsche 906 with the croissant sign in the background, which I love. Again, this whole episode, I'm just going to talk about billboards because plot, not so much going on. You'll see what I mean. The nicest way to put it, I was listening to the Rewatchables episode about Rocky IV, and there was kind of a breakdown, and I also included a link to this, of how long the montages take up the runtime of the movie. <laughs> this episode kind of reminded me of that because I remember the first time I was watching it and my boyfriend came to sit down for like the last five minutes and it was just like, okay, what's what's going on? I was like, yeah, it's been like this for a while, but it's a beautiful episode. Let's just enjoy it for what it is. And now right after Florence Italy, the girl's name, has been picked up in the Porsche 906, we see Crockett and Tubbs, you know, doing their... Drive. I don't want to say drive around. I'm not. My brain is also not working after this extended break. Uh, maybe I should read a dictionary. That can be my uh, goal for the month is to get reacquainted with the English language before I record. And we see Gina and Trudy looking amazing. Gina is in this, these pants. The color, it's hard to put my finger on. It's a beautiful purple. It's not really like a royal purple. It's kind of like a lilac, but they're shiny. Remember the disco pants from American Apparel that were all the rage like 12 years ago? That's what she's wearing. And she looks amazing. And they're kind of like making small talk with her. But it's funny. So continuity goof, probably number five already in this episode. And it's just been the cold open. Is that Florence Italy has already been picked up. We see her back behind Gina and Trudy. And then we see her again. So I put it up on the gallery, but you could tell everyone just kind of like mentally checked out for this episode. So I'm not the only one. And then Crockett and Tubbs pull up on the fat boys who are actually credited in this episode. I was like, oh my God, is that Linus? It is not Linus. As much as I love Linus, and that's a shout out to my friend because um, when he's like, oh, I should have should have gone to podiatry school and she's a chiropodist in Canada. So I always think of her whenever uh, I think of Linus. So that was my little hope, but that is not him. And uh, basically they go up to Crockett and Tubbs and and try to sell them this giant joint. And it's kind of funny. They're kind of like, you know, shooting this shit for a while. And then Tubbs pulls out the badge and says, make it disappear. And he does. He puts it in his mouth and swallows it. And then when they, everyone starts laughing. And when they drive off, he's trying to throw it up. It's really, that is so gross. <laughs> and Crockett and Tubbs still kind of cruising around. Though. They're having a little bit of fun. They talk about the Grand Prix being in town. And Crockett decides to have a little bit of fun in the Ferrari, kind of racing around, but then they pull up onto a red light, stop really suddenly. We do get a great, not really a billboard, this is just a great neon ad, tan, don't burn, use Coppertone. And it's the Coppertone girl with the dog. So of its time. I love it so much, and especially perfect in Miami. Now, as they're kind of already being a little bit reckless and, you know, Crockett... 
you know, doing his thing, they catch the Porsche 906 driving erratically. And again, this car has no plates, as one supercar is wont to do. So they start chasing him and they go on this really cool chase throughout Miami. And at a point, the spider spins out. And when they kind of try to catch back up to the Porsche 906, Florence Italy's body is thrown out at the passenger side of the car, rolls onto the street, Crockett and Tubbs, Crockett luckily stops in time, checks her pulse, which is clearly a dummy, but checks her pulse, claims are dead. And so now we have a dead sex worker, a supercar, and a mystery. After the intro, they're all back in the precinct, still wearing their outfits. So Gina and Trudy still looking like a million bucks coming straight from their graveyard shift. And they're talking about the car and just like, you know, how unique it is. It's not really a common car you'd see on the street. And quote, with a car like that, someone's got to know about it. Guess who they're going to go visit? They're going to go visit our girl, Tommy. So we get another great shot of them outside of her shop with the mural in the background. They go in. She's working on this beautiful car. I couldn't really get the make of it, but it's a white car with these beautiful different shades of blue stripes along the side. So... She's waking up, so I'm assuming that she also lives in the shop. She offers to make them coffee, blah, blah, blah. And they're trying to get a little bit more intel into this car. You here for eggs, OJ, or what? For the what? Tommy, you know anything about a Porsche 906 Carrera? Oh, only everything. I had to tune one once in the dark on a bet. You work on one around here, maybe a white one. You in the market for another macho mobile? Could be. You know what, find one? Forget it, Danny. I'll never sell a Lotus. See, I told you, everybody's checked out. Danny. Has Danny got a last name, sweetheart? Everyone does. Except Madonna and Sting. Danny Tepper. You know, he's got a sponsored ride this year in the Grand Prix. It's first time. First, let's give kudos to Annie, because later on in the scene that she mentions where he lives, she's able to say he lives at the end of Constitution Avenue, at the end of the cul-de-sac, which, very impressive just for recall from memory, but I guess maybe she's dropped off cars at his place or she's gone to his place to work on cars. But kudos to her because I cannot even remember a telephone number <laughs> to save my life nowadays. So kudos to her for not needing, you know, to write this down. She doesn't even look at her Rolodex. Like, she just has it off the top of her head. And originally so when she says lotus and i kind of called out that goof originally the episode was supposed to feature a lotus i don't know if sponsorship or whatever you know didn't work out at the end but i remember there the lotus dealership in toronto wasn't kind of like the showroom and you could walk by and you can see the lotuses in the window in toronto and they're just always really fun beautiful cars and i used to see them more than i see them here in los angeles which is kind of interesting because there's so much of a more of a stronger car culture and like supercar fast car culture here in los angeles than in toronto but i guess you know when you're dealing with the winter you drive your fun car as much as you can and yeah, that was my little fun fact. Now, let's get to Danny. Danny Tepper, also in real life, Danny Sullivan. So he's brought into the interrogation room, and again, he denies it. He says he hasn't been driving that car all week, that his wife is two weeks overdue, so he's been driving around in his truck, getting parts for his car for the Grand Prix, for the big race. And interesting enough, interestingly enough... So he's been visiting his wife in the hospital. However, he wasn't visiting her last night. Doesn't look too good for him. And he explains that he was getting on her nerves and she told him to take the night off and to leave alone. And then when he starts talking about his alibi, he says he was out with his friends. Tubbs counters that his friend said that he left at 1030. So where was he the rest of the night? Danny's story is that he was driving around in his truck listening to tapes. Now, I totally used to do this before I started working nights where I'm just like, hey, you know what? I'm in a mood. I'm just going to go drive an hour and listen to sad mix CDs and then come back. And I would have nowhere to go. I would just go kind of like as far north as I could. I just pick like one or two streets and just go as far north as I could and then just come back. So I do get that. It was a different time. There is nothing like scream singing at the top of your lungs 
in your car alone at night. And like, maybe you'd go get some fast food. Maybe you'd have a friend with you. More likely not. And I was a big proponent of that. And I kind of miss that. But yeah, working nights, I don't really do that as much. And in the daytime, there's too much traffic to do it. So sometimes, you know, going home, I'll... (laughs) I'll get a little bit emo and have a little bit of a sing session in my car. But I was like, oh, you know what, Danny? I would totally believe that alibi because I'd be like, same. <laughs> He's like, I was listening to like Jan Arden's Insensitive on repeat. I'd be like, got you. Alibi, 100% sealed. Got you. All right, back to business. Now let's get back to the interrogation. <laughs> so as I kind of like press back up against him and kind of like, you know, show the holes in his alibi because unfortunately I'm not the one who's processing this they show him pictures of Florence Italy's body and he gets really silent and just stares down and you can tell he's definitely moved Crockett can as well you're lying you're in big trouble Maybe your daddy can help you straighten out this mess, huh? A race car driver with a rich race car driver father? Get out of here. Now, let's meet this daddy tupper. Hey, don't let this thing beat you. Hey, I got a fat new sponsor. Guy from Texas. He pays the money I drive the cars. No interviews, no commercials, just driving and just winning. That's great. Listen, you ain't gonna get out of racing against your old man that easy. I ran into your sponsor. He's posting the bond. Yeah? Oh, that's great. Danny, look, uh, as far as fathers go, you might have done better than me in a state lottery. And so basically, Daddy Tepper goes on about how irresponsible he is, blah, blah, blah. So surprise, surprise to nobody how this episode plays out. I was able to catch this as soon as I saw I'm like, oh... Hmm. I wonder who would have stolen his son's car and killed a hooker and then tells him not to worry about it. And that the guy who did it is just going to focus on driving and winning. So Tubbs tells Castillo that Danny's story is a little iffy, but Crockett wants to check more people out and see if Danny will take them to a party so they can meet a sponsor. So they want to go as Burnett and Cooper. Now, this party is Honestly, my dream. It kind of has like a fake casino setup. It's very 80s. It looks like a ton of fun. And there's a replica of his racing car that he's going to be driving in the race. The 926. I'm probably mistaken on that. I'm going to go check right now. Haha, 962. Um, up. I thought it was a cake, but it just seems to be like kind of above where the food is. It also features the worst haircut I've ever seen. This is so cringeworthy because the actor himself, I couldn't even find him. I tried to look him up on IMDb. Not unattractive, but the thinning hair that is shorn almost to the scalp and then the straggly curly mullet. This is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. It reminds me of that song from this song from A Living Color, Mr. Ugly Man. It's like, he is so ugly, he's even ugly on the phone. (laughs) They say beauty is skin deep, but he's ugly to the bone. That is this haircut personified. I cannot. I think I took like three or four pictures. It was just like stomach churning. (laughs) This poor guy. I don't know if they made him get this haircut for this episode or if he just showed up with this because it was 1985. But, oh my God, please. (laughs) All right, okay. So this character's name is Dick Harris and he's a reporter and so he's right now talking to Mr. Worthington, who, again, is the sponsor of Daddy Tepper. This guy is also such a cliche, but so much fun to watch. He is played by the late actor and former SNL member, Charles Rocket. Well, you're pretty confident, aren't you? Well, you've done some driving, haven't you? Well, yes, sir. I started out when I was nine years old driving a hay truck. Then I moved up to field bombs when I was 14, running around the field between those trees. And Big Daddy Worthington bought me a Shelby 500 the day I got my driver's license. And I want to tell you something. I learned how to drive that day. You know, I was considering driving the Worthington Porsche myself. I could take that thing around. Yeah, but you got Frank Tepper instead. 
competition-wise, don't you think Frank's a little O-L-D? <laughs> no, son. I think you're a little D-U-M-B. When you're talking Frank Temper, you're talking a champion. Pure class, pure talent. Uh, pure class? Questionable on that. Um, <laughs> Shelby 500 as your first car. Yeah, like, again, I do like that they're really making this world to be, like, its own super upper-class, wealthy enclave because that's mostly what it is. Okay, so this is kind of a funny story, but I remember I was watching The Bachelor with my ex at the time, and The Bachelor was Ari Ludendijk, who is the son of... He's a junior. He's the son of Ludendijk Sr., race car driver, Dutch American. And I remember they had some scenes of him racing and he was kind of retired. He was going into real estate and that's why he was uh, The Bachelor. He was on The Bachelorette. I digress. And I remember my ex at the time was saying like, oh, that was my dream when I was growing up to be a race car driver. And me completely ignorant on the methods to become a race car driver. I was like, oh, well, did you ever take driving lessons like did you ever and he, he like looks at me so bewildered i still remember this like looked at me like i had three heads and he's like in in what world i was like oh and he kind of explained to me like no it's incredibly expensive like you can't just i kind of thought it was like you'd work your way up from like a boxcar racing and then find a sponsor like no 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 like it's very much like an old money and you basically you know like once you become a race car driver your sons become race car drivers like dale earnhardt dale earnhardt jr so forth so i think jeff gordon's dad was also a race car driver again i did not grow up in america don't at me so it was just so funny like you so ignorant and like not willfully ignorant but it was like how would i know like i didn't grow up with f1 or nascar and i just didn't know how this works but yes it is not exactly a working class sport it is not really one that a lot of people can overcome those barriers for entry but however danny sullivan in real life actually came from a working class background in kentucky and when i was reading up on his story i believe he was 21 and he was gifted driving lessons formula one driving lessons and that's how he got his start so i thought that was really cool because you don't really see that a lot in this kind of insular world so i just thought that was a little fun fact and so as dick harris the man with the worst haircut in the world goes to the bar you got Crockett, Tubbs as Burnett and Cooper with Danny. And then Tommy comes in. Tommy is a little bit peeved because there's a girl there who is a known, quote, racer chaser, where she's a girl and she likes to hook up with race car drivers. And Tommy's a little bit miffed because she thinks that it sets her back. However, I want to counter that. I don't think any of these guys are going to her for mechanical advice. I don't think. I think she knows her place. She enjoys it. And I think they know her place and they enjoy it. I do not think there's any conflation of her true knowledge about how engines work and such and such. So I think the dialogue would just kind of push in because we're trying. they're trying to introduce Becky Sklar, who is this racer chaser, as a character, and she will become important as the story develops later on this episode. <laughs> My notes. Now it would be less of a big deal. Let her secure the bag. Yes, that's exactly what I think. She is there for one thing, and they know exactly what she's there for. Get that money, honey. Then he introduces, Danny introduces his dad to Burnett and Cooper, my other note was Worthington's outfit is pretty wild. Uh, like I mentioned, Charles Rocket, who plays Worthington, who got a Shelby 500 on the day he got his license. Wouldn't it be nice? And he's wearing this like royal blue kind of silk. And now recall that Worthington is sponsoring Daddy Tepper. So he proposes a race between father and son. Again, this is another five-minute kind of filler race. It is really cool. They're on um, Kawasaki Ninjas, and they have really funny license plates. I believe one is VIP for life, and the other is... Let me get the picture. See, this is why I'm a little irritated that I don't have things in order, because it'd be much easier to follow this episode in a linear fashion while I am giving you all these notes. Cool. Just so many pictures of this guy's haircut. It is VIP forever and big one. <laughs> the dad's is a big one. My God. 
So they're at the top of this parking lot and they're going to race down to the bottom. And it is a cool racing. I kind of got a little bit nauseous because they keep going like around, around, around in circles. And again, continuity errors all through. Uh, I know I sound like a broken record. I should just, you know, let them live. Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. My notes. I, for one, would have puked on these turns. Yes. And so as I kind of get near the bottom, they go through kind of like a cylindrical pass. So they're doing even like tighter and tighter, 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 tighter turns. And then I took a gif because Danny gets a little bit pushed into the wall. I don't know if the dad did it on purpose. And it's right before the end, right before they finish the race. And you can kind of see the stunt guy put his leg down to kind of get his bike back to upright like he didn't he didn't fall down like the bike didn't drop but you could tell that you know there was a little bit either he hit him or i don't know if it was intentional but again with his father who knows and so as they end the race crockett is down on the phone downstairs and lets danny know that he became a father and then everybody is screaming from the rooftop and people are celebrating and cheering it kind of this father-son rivalry that we'll get to more on in this episode but you can tell the dad again dad's all about winning at any cost you okay i'm always okay when i win now that is some old cokehead energy if i've ever seen it myself (laughs) now back at the precinct crockett tells castillo about worthington and another continuity error he means tupper To be fair, even I keep getting confused between Tepper and Daddy Tepper and Frank Tepper is, I guess, his real name, which I haven't even mentioned this entire episode. You could tell we're just all over it. But let's just... (laughs) Have I talked about the billboards, though? And so Crockett's telling him that Danny Tepper, his alibi, his people actually back it up, that he's seen citizens at the bar who verify that he was at the bar the night of. So Crockett and Tubbs get sent back to talk more sponsors and more drivers and since danny has missed the birth of his son danny jr because he was at a party and then competing with his father in a motorcycle race just to appease his father's sense of competition now let's see danny talk to his wife as he explains everything that's going on hey honey sorry i missed the birth of our son and i am wanted for killing a sex worker who is probably underage but i really need your support right now my sponsors believe me. The only ones that don't believe me are the cops. Uh, yes, of course, the sponsors who have invested millions upon millions of dollars to make sure that you win would believe that you didn't kill an underage hooker. I mean, you're going to stand by me? Not stand by the father of my own child? What kind of a woman do you think I am? That literally made me gasp when I watched it. And, like, all my notes were like, WTF? Like, I understand that you want to support your husband, but to say what kind of woman would I be if I didn't support the father of my own child? As if having a child by someone means that you have to stick by them through thick and thin, no matter what possible crimes they could have committed or what people they could have hurt. That's a horrible message to send. (sighs) Oh... All of this came just before you showed up. The nurse didn't see who dropped it off. I didn't have a card. Danny Tepper Jr. told me he wanted his dad to open it. Smart kid. Okay, so the present that he's opening turns out to be like a burnt race car, which is awful. And when you think about in the context of who actually committed the crime and who he's competing against... Yeah. Does that mean his dad sent that to him after not only the dad became a grandfather, but after Danny became a father? And then after I, I, that blew my mind. That was just like, oh, this is this episode. Dark, dark energy. And now as the vice team, they go back to the seat of the crime. So they're going to the croissant shop. We have Gina and Trudy also looking amazing. I love Trudy. It's a black dress with different 
kinds of fish on it, like different colors of fish. And she has this really cute square plastic bag that I took a picture of as well that kind of looks kind of like a chartreuse, like a very bright chartreuse that's super cute. And they're asking the woman who runs the croissant shop more information. She's not having it. She's not being helpful at all. And then we get kind of like a little bit montage of Trudy and Swiatek and Gina going around town. And you get some really great shots. We have kind of a mixture of Crockett and Tubbs style-wise. We have Trudy talking to a gentleman outside a hotel that is up to $15. Okay. <laughs> I wonder what kind of hotel that could be. And he's wearing a white suit with um, kind of the like leather, I don't want to say knit, but kind of like the open leather shoes that Miami Vice really popularized in the 80s. But he has like a bright blue jewel tone silk shirt underneath I was like oh that's very much tubs to have this silk shirt because Crockett usually he's wearing cotton or something a little bit more breathable under his suits but it was kind of like the perfect mix and like very much after Miami Vice really took off like that's kind of what was in vogue and in style so you kind of get to see I wonder if they dressed him because of that or he kind of already had that outfit because of Miami Vice who knows and so Zito is talking to Florence Italy's friend who's wearing this white spaghetti strap a flapper dress but it's a little it's uh, I want to say it's also fringed but it's very bright and sparkly and they call her Lewis she shuts that down right away and says Lewis is dead don't call me that which respect and gives a little bit more info into Florence basically says that she hated her Catholic school she went to this fancy sleepaway Catholic school when she was a kid and that she doesn't remember who picked her up. So she doesn't remember who ever picked her up in the, the Porsche and outside of the croissant shop. So now we cut back to the Grand Prix setting up and Danny and his dad basically tell Crock and Tubbs to pound sound, pound sand. And then once again, we sympathize with Crock and Tubbs basically they're reminded about how little they make and how little <laughs> criminals respect them in this next clip. My boy didn't do it. So why don't you leave him alone? Try to find the guy who did. Maybe you better get out of my face, man. I know some lawyers. Good ones. They make more in an hour than you two clowns make in a week. Danny, let's go. Danny. Abigail Cook. Florence Italy's real name. Damn. And again, like we mentioned, I think in the first episode, I did all the notes. I don't have them on me. That I think they were making approximately $400 a week. Maybe take home, maybe before taxes. I hope it's take home. And yeah, definitely. There are a lot of lawyers, especially in 1985, adjusting for inflation. We're definitely charging $400 at the time. And that, that stings. <laughs> And so after that heated altercation with his dad, Crockett and Tubbs basically spelled the reality to Danny, that he was the prime suspect and that it doesn't look good for him. There's enough circumstantial evidence that even his fancy lawyers can't really get around and that he's done for unless the real assailant comes forward. And now we cut to a different area in the Grand Prix. Now, remember Becky Sklar, who I mentioned earlier on the episode, the quote, racer chaser? She is looking great. She's wearing this teal spaghetti strap A-line dress and she has these big leaf earrings in the same color so she talks to Crockett and Tubbs she goes to get a hot dog and there's a picture of them walking back from the hot dog stand where her dress matches part of like the color motif of the hot dog stand I just thought that was amazing like just a cute little note well I say cute because this conversation is going to get real dark real quick did you ever run into a driver on the circuit that maybe was a little rough with his women? It's been real. Becky, if you're afraid, we can protect you. I was in a hospital for nine months. I had wire in my face. Have you ever lived sipping soup through a straw? How are you going to protect me? What are you going to do, move in with me? Are you going to hang out with me? What about in six months? What about in a year from now? Come on. Hey, Vic. Vic. 
Becky! This is a 17-year-old girl that was beaten to death. That's exactly why I'm keeping my mouth shut, buddy. I'm a big fan of racing, but I am a huge fan of life. Just leave me alone, okay? Come on! Jeez, she was hospitalized for nine months with a broken jaw? Yeah, no wonder this poor girl is terrified. Jeez, well, uh, let's leave that conversation and let's get to another unpleasant conversation between Daddy and Frank Tepper up on the bleachers. I will say I enjoyed the scene for the cinematic properties because the sun is slowly setting as the conversation goes on. It's actually very beautiful if you just ignore the giant POS that Daddy Tepper is. I'm not even sure that you're mine. Your mother, she was, uh, she did a pretty good job of sleeping around. Hmm, I wonder why she would be stepping out on such a gentle, caring man like Daddy Tepper. Hey, look, kid. We both know you didn't do it. Now listen to me. You're gonna wash out clean in this. Danny. Hey, Danny! Danny, where are you going? You keep thinking about this, you're gonna wind up like that hooker. Danny, it's gonna work out. You didn't do it, so forget about it. It's not your problem. Let those dumb cops worry about it. You're gonna have to have your mind on this race if you wanna beat me. Don't you wanna beat me, Danny? Don't you wanna win? Father of the year, uh, I don't know if you're mine. Your mother, who I most certainly abused, was rightfully <laughs> stepping out and looking for a better man. And then, even if you're not mine, I still love you, and you're gonna win, and can't lose to me, and forget about this hooker, and you didn't do it, wink, wink. I know you didn't do it. Everybody knows you didn't do it. You'll be fine. Your life will be fine. Father of the year. <laughs> and let's get back to the Grand Prix. So I do wonder if Love and Brow really did sponsor the 1984 Grand Prix. I'm assuming that that's when they did the majority of their filming shots. When I was looking at the production notes, it was filmed pretty early up in the year uh, in 1985. So I'm assuming a lot of this was held over. It was originally supposed to be released in season one. It was supposed to be called The Prize. They wanted Mick Jagger to star. So I'm assuming that a lot of this footage is from 1984. I was trying to do a little bit of research and couldn't really find out. I don't really think they keep track of sponsors. But yes, Love and Brow definitely got a boost because it's all over this episode and it's an okay beer i really like daddy tepper's car this is the one nice thing i will say about frank his car says miami's for me which i really like and it's uh really like that uh, those are really cool unfortunately it's the wrong person that it should go to but i guess uh if uh, killing hookers and framing your son is <laughs> what you're into i guess miami at this time really was for him but not for long spoiler alert i spoiled this entire episode i don't really think that it was meant to be a twist. I think it was always kind of meant to be known all the way along. Oh my god, Worthington and his shirt. Again, please go check out the gallery. He's smoking a cigarette on this big, giant brick cell phone. It is just an amazing shot. And now we return back to croissants. We are back to the street that this all started. And Crockett and Tubbs are kind of racking their brain. And Tubbs says that he'll go get Crockett a cappuccino. He goes to the croissants. This is the busiest croissant place I've ever seen in my life. Do they sell anything else? Do you sell like any other pastries? Nah, just croissants and croissant sandwiches. That's all you get. And Tubbs starts talking to the woman who runs the joint. Again, asking about this girl. And she's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm so tired about everybody asking. Have you seen this girl? Blah, blah, blah. And then he notices a camera in the business and the camera's moving. So it's obviously like active surveillance. And he asks about it. She brings up this TV that's like, I guess, like CCTV um, surveillance recording and shows him. And Tubbs, then everything starts to click. And he's like, do you have surveillance tapes? Blah, blah, blah from three nights ago and she brings out which I love these big old VHS it's not like the little ones big old solid, solid VHS tapes and gives them to him so they go back to the precinct and they're watching the footage somehow 
they're able to zoom in close enough to see who is in the car when they pick up Florence Italy. Now, remember, these doors go all the way up. They don't open out like regular doors. These are kind of like DeLorean doors. I would call them suicide doors until I learned that suicide doors are not what that is. So I don't know the proper technical term. I totally forgot it. Should have looked that up before recording, but too late now. So once you kind of like pop that door open, you can see straight into the cabin of the car. They see Frank Tepper with a lit cigarette. So they got him. And now they go back to the Grand Prix. Uh, again, great billboard. We've got a great Cuddy Sark billboard in the background. And the Grand Prix has started. And Crockett and Tubbs go with a police tail. And you kind of see the juxtaposition of the race happening with father and son. And the announcer keeps kind of bringing it up over and over again. You know, father, son, father, son, father, son. It's a big deal. And you see like this juxtaposition of like Crockett and Tubbs racing with this trail of cars behind them. And then you see the Grand Prix, which is, I don't know, I thought that was a nice little like director touch in there. And I love all the shots of everybody in the, all the spectators, everybody in the stands. So many great gifts, so many great outfits. I really enjoy the fashion and the style of this episode. So again, this race takes like five six minutes it is just going and going and going like it's an interesting race again there's a lot of continuity but again i kind of like zoned out even though i had to watch this episode three times i kind of like zoned out for the race because like nothing really happens and then at the end danny wins he beats his dad danny's so excited he's drinking a love and brow he's celebrating and he's posing with miss pitt she has the sash in a bikini when you hear the sirens. So the cops pull up and the spectators are on the track. I don't know if that's a regular thing. I've only been to the Long Beach Grand Prix and I think I've been to the Montreal Grand Prix. I would never fathom going onto the track. Again, I'm not like a friend or a family or like a pit. But you see this like big crowd of people on the track. So once... Frank Tepper hears the sirens, he knows that they got him. So he's still in the race car. (laughs) Daddy Tepper has never left the race car. So he maneuvers through this giant crowd of people. There's like a little bit of an opening. So he's able to get through. And then he leads them on another high-speed chase, which is actually really cool to watch because it is this race car just driving down the streets of Miami and not in the Grand Prix setting where it's contained. Like, it's just out on the street and it is a really cool chase scene and then the cops are getting closer to him cops are getting closer to him and every time he's trying to get away there's another police barricade and you see another he just he can't win he's so used to winning that's what he's all about and yet he can't win so what does he do he drives into a wall end of episode freeze frame end of the episode Ah, all right. Let's recap the end of this episode with a little advice tea. Uh, trigger warning suicide for this vice tea. Just wanted to let you all know. I was trying to find some like fun, lighthearted stuff, especially on my girl, also credited as Blondie, played by Tiffany Ariagas. I'm not pronouncing that right, but it seems to be a one-off acting job. I'm assuming probably a performer in Miami or a local because uh, she stole the show with those dresses. Fortunately, couldn't find anything on her. And um, Robin Peterson, who played Becky Sklar, actually aged really well. She's very pretty. I looked at her IMDb and seems to have aged very naturally. It's those great cheekbones. Uh, unfortunately, she was not wearing a teal dress with matching earrings on her IMDb photos. Missed opportunity. Danny Sullivan, again, our very handsome race car driver. So he ended up actually winning the Indianapolis 500 in 1985 and had quite an illustrious um, racing career for a little bit. Retired in 1984. There's a little bit of drama there. I didn't get that much into it. I was just more interested in his looks because he actually does have like a little bit of an acting career too. Like he has more roles than just Miami Vice. So he kind of parlayed that into something else. Stephen Joyce, who is father of the year, Frank Tepper, mostly a stage actor. And then I was also really curious about who played Marty Worthington. He looked familiar. I was like, I've definitely seen this guy. And I was looking at his IMDb. He had quite a prolific IMDb. And unfortunately, this is the trigger warning. Stage name is Charles Rocket. And he was a 
briefly on Saturday Night Live. This was kind of that one year, I believe it's 1981, where Lorne and everybody kind of left the show. All the writers left and someone new was brought in. And that person was kicked out. Then Dick uh, Ebersol was brought in. I know Dick Ebersol because he's the father of Britney Spears' ex-boyfriend. I think it was Charlie Ebersol. So that's how I know that. I was like, I recognize that name from like delisted post from like 2010. Um, but unfortunately, he took his own life and sliced his throat. So that is an incredibly sad way to go. And he was married with a child and died, I believe, he was 54 years old. So I do apologize for that sad vice tea. So let's lend the mood a little bit and let's talk fashion. fashion. Naturally, you know who my best dress is, but I also want to throw in Gina and Trudy on the street looking amazing in those lilac pants. And I also want to give it up to Crockett and Tubbs's hybrid gentleman outside of the $15 a night hotel in the silk blue shirt. And fashion was really great in this episode. I really enjoyed a lot of the spectator fashion, just kind of like the work, like every day. A lot of shirtless people too. And I understand, you know, it's very hot and you're around hot cars all day. I remember the Long Beach, a Long Beach Grand Prix I went to and I got so sunburned because you're just walking around for seven hours. And this is with sunscreen and a hat. So I completely sympathize with everyone dealing with the Miami humidity at the Grand Prix, just going shirtless. Totally get it. And best dressed male aside from Crockett and Tubbs' hybrid Obviously, obviously, obviously has to be Worthington just with all those outfits, just with (laughs) Charles Rocket really hammed it up in this episode. And I really appreciate it because Worthington was such great comic relief. And the picture of him with cigarette and the giant cell phone and the silk pink skinny tie and like the spotted silk shirt, just chef's kiss, chef's kiss. Also want to shout out decor. I think my favorite part of decor and there were a lot in this episode has to be the party with like the makeshift casino because that looked so much fun oop one little editing thing i uh, couldn't read my notes because i can't read my own handwriting so danny sullivan like i mentioned real life actually won the indianapolis 500 but then he also won the streets of miami cute cart race in 1985 and then he won that again 1986 so actually that's kind of cool that he was able to you know do that in reality And let's talk music. Okay, my little salty note was, were there any songs? LOL. And there are actually some good songs in this episode. I'm just being, I was like, so... (laughs) Did not, because I think I just zoned out during the race scenes, (laughs) just mentally. So I was like, just totally went over my head. So obviously, Naughty Naughty by John Parr. Selling the Store by Cliff Sard. Sarde. I don't see an accent. Maybe it's Sarday. Cruise Missile by the Steve Morse Band during the motorcycle race. Up from the Skies by the Jimi Hendrix Experience. And Mercury Blues by David Lindley right before the race when they're kind of chit-chatting and talking to everybody. Now, I do want to do the quote of this episode, and I'm really conflicted, but I don't want to give it to this person. But, like, I cannot get over the delivery in this. I'm not even sure that you're mine. Hey, my son is kind of irritated that he's involved in a murder charge because I'm the one who actually did it. So I'm going to make him feel bad and tell him that he's not mine, even though he's like 35, 40. Like, (laughs) what a jerk. But you know what? Played to perfection. I cannot get over this because I am going to remember Frank Tepper probably to the you know for a long time so i gotta give him credit and then that is the episode thank you for bearing with me for this very plot light episode and again please go check out the gallery for all the amazing billboards and the cute outfits and all the great scenery of this episode what we did not get in story we got in style and pizzazz and i want to thank you all for listening i noticed my metrics were actually pretty good as i took Uh, a little break and I also wasn't super active on social media I don't know if I will be more or less active on social media I just get very easily irritated by things on social media that don't come from a logical place like I just get really irritated I get so many nice emails and I get such supportive sweet um messages from the contact form but like I just get so easily irritated by things like I remember I was posting an episode and obviously I have a template and I forgot to change the name of the episode. And then I just got all these comments like wrong episode, wrong episode. I'm like, cool. Thanks. Like I'm human. And it was like people I'd never talked to before. And I was just like, everybody just wants to feel like they're right. And I kind of just have to let that 
flow off my back because like I know other podcasters that their listeners would be like, you're too ugly. It's like, how are you like a podcast is completely meant to be your voice and getting horrible comments and all that. So like, honestly, I don't have any of that. Like I do have really great, amazing listeners. I just maybe need to work on letting things slide off my back. I like you want, I want to be involved in things, but I always want to be one step removed. So I don't really put a hundred percent into things that I should, because I don't like the negative repercussions that it could bring. But then that's kind of selling myself short. Like this 2023 is really the year that I really want to embrace life more. And I really want to enjoy life more. I want to travel more. And I love to work and I put so much into the things that I do that I just get so easily burnt and discouraged when I feel like I'm getting made fun of. And I'm just so, I'm not sensitive. It's just, wow, I'm sorry. This is not how I want to end the podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. You can find me on all things social advice and easy podcast. Maybe I'll get a little bit more emo. (laughs) No, it's just been what I really want from this year is to really live life to the fullest. And I'm so thankful I have this podcast. I've met so many cool, great people this year. And it's really expanded my horizons. There's so many new things I learned from watching these episodes that I really hope it does make me a better person. And I really want to put more of my time and effort into growing. And I want to really achieve my dreams this year and really change my life for the better. And I'm just kind of over that whole COVID rut and especially with work and COVID where you kind of were just like just working to survive. And now I have the chance to really elevate myself and elevate my status and elevate my career. And I would love to do more podcast voice stuff as well. And yeah, so I'm just like going through a very interesting time. Maybe I will journal instead of uh, unloading on this on all my dear listeners. So once again, thank you for following, supporting, for telling your friends, for watching the show, for just sharing something that we love together and really keeping the memory of Miami Vice alive. Because unfortunately, a little bit of bad news is that it is no longer streaming in Canada. So it's just very frustrating that this show that means so much to us, that really broke so much ground and really changed the face of television is not even available to stream. Uh, So definitely go get those Blu-ray and DVD sets and join me as we continue on this journey of reliving Miami Vice from season one all the way to season five. That is my promise and I'm sticking to it. Maybe I'll take an extended break or two because I am going to be traveling a lot this year and I will always come back and we'll finish this series strong. And speaking of filler episodes, so you know what, as much as I like to you know, razz on it. It's like, I'm going to have so many more filler episodes. So let's just make the best of it. Let's enjoy all the sights and the scenes. Thank you again. Like, follow, subscribe, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever your podcast. I am so sorry. I hope you've already checked out five minutes ago. Thank you for listening as always. See you next week. And as always. Hey man, Miami Wise is number one new show.